0: y'all would you like to win something my name is adria wilkins and i wrote a book called the joy box journal it has 40 devotions with a box and notepads to journal joy moments in your life i want to give you a chance to win an autographed copy go to ops podcast show on facebook instagram and twitter every day in august at 10 a.m pacific for a chance to enter and win when you see the picture of my book, all you need to do is like and post a comment with the hashtag LookoutForJoy. If you'd like an extra entry, go to my Facebook page, Adria Wilkins. Will be a post pinned at the top of the month of August. And it will be labeled Chance to Win. All you need to do is like the post and comment. We will do a drawing live at the end of August. Good luck and y'all be on the lookout for joy.
1: The last thing you want is for something to go wrong with your plumbing, but it happens. A lot. And the last thing you want when there's water spraying all over your kitchen or your toilet is overflowing is looking up reviews on which plumber you should call. So let me save you some time. Call The Art of Plumbing. They're always on time. They can locate the problem and fix it right away. They even help with solutions to stop any future problems. Save time. Call The Art of Plumbing today, 541-951-9405. Hey,
0: come take
2: a walk with me, not like you used to do, do something different put yourself in other people's shoes. Open up your mind and open up your eyes and change your direction, change your perspective. Welcome into Other People's Shoes. As you know, I'm your host, Neil Matthews. Thank you so much for joining us this week. As you know, it is season finale day. I'm sad to say that the search is coming to an end. But don't worry, stay tuned until next week when we start off our sixth season of Other People's Shoes. Hard to believe we're on season six. But uh, before we get to that, we got to, of course, get to the season finale day. And guys, I got to be honest with you. I have been, since we got confirmation of this, I have just been giddy like a schoolgirl. Yes, I'm openly admitting that I got giddy like a schoolgirl on my show, but you got to help me welcome in these ladies today. They are ladies who are American Muslims and they're moms. And I'm going to let that just sit on the table and we're going to come back to that. But... But their moms, they're actually looking for and seeking out, helping people understand where they're coming from. They want a different perspective. They want people to come to this understanding that what you may read about, what you may hear about is not always accurate. They're Muslim Americans and they're sisters in arms in this mission that they're on. They offer support. They want to work together to find solutions and they just want to give some resources out to help those that may be struggling with trying to understand things. And again, they're moms. So they got that mama bear mentality, I bet. So we're going to welcome them in today. If I get their names wrong, we did practice. Zeta and Usa, <laughs> hosts of Mommying While Muslim. How are you, ladies?
1: We are good. I, it's, good. It's so. Um, we're so glad to be here. And it's definitely been a Monday morning for us as probably with you because you said our names perfectly in practice. So we're going to I
2: did. Again. So so say it with <laughs> me because we did practice. I I, I got nervous. <laughs> Full disclosure, I did get nervous. So one more time You're help so me confused. with with the non-nervousness. Yes. So
3: I'm Uzma <laughs> and I'm Zeva Hassan.
2: All right, there we go. Thank you ladies. And again, I did <laughs> we did practice like pre-show. We like we we did some practice and I was good and it was oh, it was great and
1: and You're then I get on the mic viewer. and
2: I get, uh, you guys never we had that problem. That. I'm That's sure. Okay. Yeah. You, no, never. you can
1: watch us on video. We
2: never, never had we that problem. On our no, podcast. I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> well, I did. Speaking of podcasts, uh, I did just watch you guys on YouTube live. You had a doctor on. So this, uh, this will tell people where we are in real time. But uh, she was talking about her shoe line that she had launched during COVID and be honest with you. As a shoe guy myself, not a women's shoe guy myself, but I was fascinated by her story and kind of how that all kind of came about. So, from a shoe perspective, man, you had my ears turned in on that.
1: Well, yeah. I'm very excited that you found shoes fascinating. We were just excited to find high heels that were good for us. So, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Who's right? not on the lookout for that? Yeah,
2: I bet. I can only imagine. Yeah, I do. I have a shoe obsession. If you guys haven't heard any past shows, I, I. I'm shamefully admitting that there's upwards of 50 pairs. And so that's wow. apparently not even that much because we had a guest on, uh, in the past that has, uh, well over like, I think a hundred and, and plus. So he's, he's. So what's
3: been your, let la- me ask you, what's your latest purchase? So I can kind of figure out what your taste.
2: Yeah. Is. So latest purchase of shoes. Is that what we're talking about?
3: Yeah. Okay. Yes, latest purchase. Of sorry. Sho- I'm, qu- I'm quizzing
2: you. you I'm no, it's fine. Show. This is so <laughs> weird. Like, am I on your show? Are you on my show? This is, this is fun. Uh, so I was on a podcast recently, um, uh, the, the host name is Vonna Johnson. She's, she's in, she knows Eric and Eric Nevins is who we're referring to when we talk about Eric, but, uh, I was on her show and, um, she challenged me with some Mr. Rogers stuff. You're familiar with Mr. Rogers, I'm sure. Yep. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so he has a shoe that he wore, uh, the whole taping of his, his series, you know, Mr. Rogers neighborhood. Mm -hmm. He wore Sperry's. Yeah. Yep, And That's so That's a new thing. Right. I so like, I went out on eBay. Into yep, I mm-hmm. went out on eBay and I love light blue. That's my favorite color. So if you see a lot of light blue stuff that we do on social media, it kind of weaves its way into our mm-hmm. narrative. So I found a pair of uh navy uh on the t- on the toe part and it kind of creeps up towards the the toe box if you will will or the yeah, toe box. I think I'm saying that right. Anyway, up towards where you put your foot in and then it turns light blue and i found Ooh, them and that's cool and i paid probably a little too much for them embarrassingly admitting <laughs> but um but that's my latest shoe purchase so i had i did really well i did really well i had gone like a lot of months without buying shoes so
1: we are very proud of you, Thank and now you. the title of your podcast makes so much sense. Yeah, so <laughs> yes. we're
2: we're we're going to get in this first question, that's which makes totally it true. I love that. yeah, which makes it more <laughs> make sense when I say to you, ladies, what style of shoes do you like to wear? See, Segway, that's what they call that in the business. Oh mm-hmm. ah, yes,
1: Segway, segue. A segue. Ziba, you go first.
3: You know. If you were listening to the other show, I don't think I even mentioned this, but I actually did break my ankle on a Ninja Turtle a couple of years back. Yes, in two different places. It was serious?
2: Just for
3: the record, yes. Leonardo. Not my favorite turtle. Six months. And so as a result of that, my heel days are gone. So my summer go to shoe. I'm just going to admit this, our Birkenstocks, I don't care if you think they're cute or not, they are comfortable, okay? And I'm not even going to apologize for that.
2: I mean, there is some shoe judgment because I don't wear I don't wear sandals I, or flip flops. So Eric did mm, warn you guys that there might be some shoe judgment. I'm just I know you can do that, but guess but what? But so, right. oh. we're in Oregon, so right, we're in Oregon, so Birkenstocks are like the thing, and everybody wears yeah. them. We have a little community yes. called Ashland. They're, they sell them probably by the yes. truckloads. So yeah, I'm sure, yeah. So it's okay. Well, I
3: guess I would fit into Oregon a little
2: bit because... Well, Oregon's we got to say Oregon. We got to correct my... you. It's Oregon.
3: Sorry. Oregon. Oregon. <laughs> yeah, let's help Oregon. you with that.
2: Oregon, not Sorry. Oregon. It's okay. It's all right. Okay. Awesome. It's a
3: Chicago Sorry. thing. It's a Chicago thing. Okay.
1: Uh, so the shoe judgment, bring it on because I am a flip-flop girl and um, whatever is easily slid onto my foot. So the flattest shoes I can find, which I just learned on our show with the foot and ankle surgeon is the worst thing I can possibly do. Cause I don't have any of those orthotics or supports uh, for my arch. And I complain like my arch is hurt all the time. And now I know.
2: You They're might, judgment. you might have plantar <laughs> fasciitis too. I could, I and could. I don't it know if she, as painful I didn't know if she talked about that at all. And, and so, cause I, you know, I was doing other stuff while I was listening, but, mm-hmm. um, I don't know if she caught that. So I had to go check on some things out, out of the office sure. for a second. But so I might have missed that part in fairness. But but back to you guys. So when I hear the word Islam, I'm I'm just gonna I'm gonna put my cards on the table. I'm a white, United States born. My dad is a former Marine. My mom is a is a daycare lady my whole life. So kids have been smaller children have always been in and out of my life as far as you know, my mom being in a daycare setting, uh, uh, you know, uh, childcare setting, director of, you know, grew up in the church, grew up evangelical Christian. I read the book Malcolm X in sixth grade. The only reason why I read it is because it had a giant X on the front of it. And I thought it was the number 10. And I was like, what's this about? You know, (laughs) serious, true story. (laughs) Like I'm being honest, like ladies, you're going to get honesty. So if you're not not ready for that, here we go. (laughs) So, um, so strap in as what I'm telling you, it's going to get, it's going to get crazy. There's going to be some turbulence. So, but I don't, I know what I read about on the news. Well, see on the news. And then what I read about, you know, online and, and things like that. And when, when I hear the word Muslim, immediately what comes to my mind is Malcolm X first. But then I think about, you know, I think about Osama bin Laden. I can, I'm sorry. I can't help but think that, right. I think about Hezbollah. I think about things like that. that I think of hatred, not that I have it, but that somehow Muslims hate me. Because I'm, you know, this white evangelical Christian, I even throw that word in and I don't like that word because it only appears three times in the Bible. I like disciple of Jesus better. So maybe that's a better word. That's part of the reason why I was a little bit giddy to get with you guys today, because I want to set the record straight, at least in my heart and maybe in the hearts of so many others that just because I I claim Christian, by the way, things have been done in the name of Christianity that are not right. Right. things have been done in the name of Christianity of people standing outside an abortion clinic, whether you like abortion or not, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. I I don't have the right to go down there and yell at somebody and saying, you're, you're a murderer. You're, you know, you're this, you're that. I don't have the right to show up at a, you know, a fallen soldier's funeral and and say, you know, you know, I I just don't. So that's why I was excited about having you guys on, because I want you to help educate me. Because, again, if I'm going to in yeah. shoes, right? I'm gonna be in your shoes, right, if I'm going to be in your shoes, my perspective gets to be put on the table. My, my perspective almost gets to be put on the back burner because it's not about my perspective right now. It's about you and your perspective. And here's the best part is we can differ on all kinds of stuff, I'm sure, right? Sports teams, we can differ on that. We can differ on, <laughs> you know, w- which time to pray, which time to go to worship, What you know, whatever. We can differ on all of that, but it doesn't matter in my mind, we need to have a conversation. And I think that to me is what we're missing in this world. And then, and even in this country. So there's my soapbox as we set the, (laughs) set the stage. Yeah.
1: Communication is key to everything, right? So, you know, I know that you started out saying that you were apprehensive about asking questions because you don't want to offend, but, um, you know, if you don't ask, you won't ever find out. So we are really excited, um, to be able to have this conversation with you too.
2: So with that, there there is this thing, right? And I know you ladies didn't corn this phrase because if you would have, you you probably would have maybe trademarked it just, you know, because it's fun, <laughs> no, right? No, actually probably wouldn't Okay, have. fair <laughs> enough. But, but is there a thing called Islamic phobia? I mean, is that a thing? Is that a real thing in your mind? Does anybody want to do that one?
1: Islamophobia. So
3: Islamophobia, what does phobia mean, right? The fear of something. And if something is... Like you said, you were a little bit fearful of Muslims and Islam. So the concept of Islamophobia is definitely a thing. Um, it is um, a mainstream um, media term that is being thrown around a lot without a lot of context behind it. Um, and where Isma and I come from is really from the position of we are more alike than different so the concept of fear shouldn't be there because there's a high probability that i would sit next to you like at a sporting event for our kids or at a and, and we would have more in common than differences so to be afraid or to be fearful for me is the concept of not knowing and having these types of conversations and, you know, going across the aisle for a lack of a better phrase, um, is just what we need to do in order to dispel some of that fear that people might have.
2: Yeah. I, I think that's the key, right. Is uh, a while back we had a, a lady come on, um, we're actually right during the George Floyd stuff, right. When that, all that news first broke and, uh, and I had a couple of friends reach out and say, man, that, what what a timely episode you have today, you know, this week with, you know, this African-American lady coming on. Not only is she African-American, but she started the uh, gay and lesbian pride parade in that little town of Ashland that I was referring to with the Birkenstocks. And I didn't know what to ask her. I, I Honestly, I've I've not had a ton of interaction with people who are you know, homosexual, different than you, different than me. Or, and, and you, different than you. Yeah. And, and even different than me, you know, as far as a black woman, I, I have no, I have no basis of that. No, no point of, you know, I'm not a woman. I'm just not, sorry. Don't, don't identify okay. as a woman. And, and that's supposed to be funny, but also at the same time, I just don't. Yeah. But again, for you ladies, um, first off, how did you guys meet? I don't want, I don't want to go too far down Islam before we maybe clear some some other housekeeping <laughs> stuff because you guys see him in two different worlds really right i mean
3: we are, we are. okay we are.
2: We are. so so how the heck did this uh meeting of minds this uh wonder twins unite i that's a super uh superhero <laughs> reference i don't know <laughs> if you guys get that or not but it's not ninja turtle sorry but but you guys came together for the greater good how, how does that happen
3: this is uh Zeba's Uh, Zeba's doing so I'm gonna let her talk about that. that's so funny no um our background story is our our dads were actually bachelor roommates in Chicago in the 70s before they got married so we're old school family friends but they ultimately moved from Chicago to Texas I think shortly after Usma was born um but the the dad stayed close and Usma was one of the my, um, go to friends, like we would go there for, um, summers, why we would go to Texas in the summer. I have no idea. Yeah, I, was when we did it. I was just gonna <laughs> ask you that. I was just gonna ask you that, but you, you beat me to it. So, <laughs> and, um, honestly, like I've shared the story a couple of times before, uh, you know, I, and what they call my my mom is actually um, a Christian convert to Islam. Believe it or not, her what? family is. That's uh, yes, awesome. I mean, my, that's sorry, so much, that's yeah, weird, so, but yeah, okay, yeah, all right. <laughs> it's sorry. Weird or different, but yeah, my mom is a convert to Islam. She is of Irish um, descent, that so we found out there's a little bit of Scandinavian in there as well, and. um, you know, she converted to Islam um, shortly before she met my dad, and then they got married and then had me. So obviously, one, growing up um, bicultural, i have gone to church, believe it or not, celebrated because half of my family is Christian. So I understand, you know, read the Bible, the Torah, and the Quran. So, you know, religion in general has always been something that was interesting to me. But the truth of the matter is, um, for for lack of a better phrase, um, from the white um, supremacy perspective, I can pass as a non-Muslim person until somebody hears my name or, or they talk to me and I am very vocal about it. Most people don't know or they don't assume, I should probably say. So we were coming back from a trip um, from Chicago, visiting our family there. We live in the D.C. area now. And my oldest son at the time was a rising freshman. And we had just visited the Northwestern campus. So he was proudly displaying his Northwestern basketball t-shirt, you know, with his head, his beats on at the time, you know, like, just like your
2: typical American. Yeah. I was going to say, he just looks like a normal you know teenager from exactly. college perhaps on a college exactly. tour. Okay. Well, that, that, but that was
3: kind of the thing, right? Okay. He sure. looks
2: a little bit older. He's right. six
3: foot two and you know, he's darker complected. Um, so a lot darker than I am. And we were given a lot of negative, um, what's the word Asma? like stereotype
2: like, maybe yeah like you racially were profiled, profiled? You were rac- is that the yeah, word racially profiled, <laughs> so so racially profiled? The okay. word.
3: like i don't i don't want to assume that sure. but the, the reality of the situation it probably was looking that, back on it um, may have been racially profiled yeah okay. it, his last name um, he doesn't have an id of course what 14 year old has an id and yeah, they many. were giving us a hard time and um quizzing us for 20 to 40 minutes it was one of those things i was traveling alone with my four kids and Did i was you miss thinking, your flight? I really, we did not thankfully. Okay. I am one of those weird OCD people that go two hours before. <laughs> I, I, I kind of knew that about OCD. you already just from watching <laughs> um, your last show. I, so I have that's to good. early. Um, but no, and it was just one of the things. It was the first time in my life that I had experienced that. And it was through my children, which to your point, you mentioned that we were Mama Bear. And it was just one of those things where my heart was beating fast, I didn't know how to respond. And I really, and he was just so confused, you know, cause these kids are even further removed than our generation was because they literally have zero allegiance to any other country, but America's right. So for him, he was like, what the heck was that all about? And I had to tell him one, you have a very Muslim last name, Hassan is probably one of the most Muslim last names. And is it like Smith?
2: And now... uh, and
3: in... it's literally like Smith, okay, or like exactly. Robert,
2: or Roberts, yeah, exactly. okay, We're fair like enough, exactly. all right, fair enough, all <laughs> right. yeah,
3: exactly, yeah. And it really is one of the most identifiable Muslim names. Um, and it was just one of those things where I kind of told him, buddy. You know, this is just what's going to start happening because now you're seen as a Muslim man. And it was just a really hard thing as a parent to have that conversation with your son at 14, who who'd literally never experienced anything like this before himself at the time. Now, obviously, we've had multitude unfortunate situations, but that's for another podcast. But I called Uzma. Uzma is one of my go-to people because she's she a girl. She's she is. She's, She's one of girl. my, right. where Islamic <laughs> a. things are concerned, you know, like, uh, hey, uh, you know, because I've always identified myself as an American Muslim, but, you know, I read for pleasure. It's not like I read to be a scholar, but she was always one that was constantly reading to learn. So I was just like, you know, do you know anything like where I can get some information. I didn't know how to handle that situation well. And I had been researching, not finding it. And she, the first thing she said to me was, why are you traveling without your ID girl? Cause that <laughs> is the Muslim 101. You need to be traveling with your kids passports at all times. Cause unfortunately her um, experience was very different than mine until that point. So that was her first and foremost. And it was just one of those things that in trying to find resources for ourselves we realized that there was a hole in the marketplace there really wasn't anything cuz my children are a little bit older you know my son was born in 2003 um so life before you know September 11th there weren't that many kids that kind of fell in, of our generation that fell into that and we just decided we're going to start this online platform this podcast cuz i'm like i want to talk about these issues Bring different experts on, so one I can learn while I'm trying to provide that information for other people. So that's kind of it's like this journey that we've been on that we call "Mommy Wall Muslim."
2: I, I love it. First mm-hmm. off, um, I love that you have a, a girl, a woman. Yes. I shouldn't say girl; almost sounds derogatory. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, but but I mean, if we're she's your girl, she she's your BFF. Yeah. Maybe some would say. Um, I love that you I'm, have that. I'm
3: one of her BFs.
2: Oh That's wow! What she told me. One <laughs> of not the B. Oh, all right. I didn't mean to start a yes. I didn't mean to start I'm a, a war there. Now, so. All right. <laughs> didn't want to start a war there. But, but I. But in all seriousness, I love the fact that you could reach out to her. That you had that relationship. Yeah, that sure. you could go exactly. to her. Definitely, you could. You, you could go to her and say, "Hey, I'm dealing with this." Exactly. I, I think. Again, going back to back to us a little bit is when you don't have that person in your life that you can really go to, that you can lean on, that you can cry with, that you can laugh with, that you can, you know, maybe swap shoes with. I mean, that's my dream come true is to find that person. Um, yes. you know, maybe not swap shoes with, that might be a little too personal. Yeah. it was
1: like, that's stretching it, man. A little bit of stretch, <laughs> but,
2: um, but, but I get where you guys are coming from because I think, I, I think it's, it's just such a need. I don't know. I could go all day on that one. But Uzma, what's what, what's your what's your role to play in this? She talks about this racially profiled, you know, airport experience, mm. which must have been just awful. I mean, airports oh, in general. Yeah. I mean, no, nothing against TSA, but they're not fun. I, I, I too, not racially profiled, but I had a, I had a backpack or a, um, it was a fanny pack. Okay, I'm just wow. Oh, I'm really, no. I'm really giving you guys a lot of stuff Let's today. A little judgment. ammunition, right? <laughs> But I, but for whatever reason, I had this fanny pack on, and it just had my wallet in it. It Didn't have anything like a gun or anything like that. But it, it I had to be pulled out of the line. I had to be like frisked. They put stuff on my hands, and I was like, "What, guys? It's just a, it's a running pack." Like I had shorts on that didn't have pockets, so I, my, yeah. you know, my license and stuff is in there because I didn't want to lose my license because I didn't have pockets. Basketball shorts, problems with that. But, but even in that, I thought, man, what is. What is it like for somebody else to walk through that? So, I mean, I don't know. So Uzma, what what do you bring to the table with that?
1: Well, 9-11 happened um, a few weeks before my grandmother died. So um, it was, I think, in October. And I was, you know, I, I buried my grandmother and then I got on the next flight out because I had to get back to, to school. And um, I was pulled out of the line and had my very first full body strip search. Hijab off. I, I cover. Um, well, I guess I should backtrack first. Um, yes, our dads are friends. I'm a mom of four now. Uh, and I was born into Islam. Both of my parents, they have their families generationally have all been Muslim. So I'm always like, if you want to get information, you know, you want to get it out of the horse's mouth. I'm the horse's mouth, although some would argue the other end at times. Um and so for me i've always appeared ethnically different or other i can't pass for anything else what is what you know people who believe in like ethnogenetics or like a superior race would always other me and then on top of that i look, i appear i dress muslim because i i wear the hijab or the headscarf and so i was pulled out of line i was also racially profiled and this is just weeks after 911 so Off to the side, here's a little partition wall, and I'm five foot eight. The wall was maybe five feet tall. So, like, my whole head is above. And I'm like, well, you need to take your clothes off. And I'm like, no, like, I can see. We're going to have to sit. Like, everybody in line and out here is going to see me. Like, we're going to have to get on the floor. So, basically, we all sat down. I'd take my clothes off, and I mean everything. Um, And two women with gloves on were literally going through all of my creases and folds. Trying to find, I don't even know that they knew what they were trying to find. Like, if I don't have a bomb under my clothes that you can see right there, where else am I going to put it in? Because this is
2: in the early stages of 9-11. Yeah. Post 9-11.
1: In Fort Lauderdale. Okay. And so, you know, I get dressed. I'm totally, you know, like numb from the pain of my grandmother dying but now furious and enraged that this has happened to me. And I walk out of the partition and there's this guy standing there, another ethnic looking guy. And, you know, a TSA agent is like, oh, wait, aren't you with him? You know, and he's looking at me. And I'm like, no, I'm not with him. So apparently he had been pulled to the side. And I don't know what happened, but they were maybe thinking that I was with him and he was under question. Something happened. And, you know, I basically, at the end of the day, I was pulled out. For no reason other than they thought there was some kind of mistaken identity or mistaken relationship because nobody asked. They just assumed that I was with this guy. They assumed that as a Muslim woman, I am not going to be traveling by myself, but I really was. Um, and I often did, you know, and that's why. I say, just ask, you know, are you with this person? Because maybe I could have avoided that humiliating situation. But even now, this past October, we had our first retreat for Momming One Muslim, and I got pulled into the curtained area by, um, you know, gate agents in Santa Fe. And it was the same thing get undressed, um, you know, their gloved hands inside of my, and they didn't make me take my clothes off, but they were inside my clothes. Um, all because, you know, Santa Fe is kind of kitschy and, they have like all of those homemade soaps and stuff like that and hand creams. And so let me just tell you guys right now, don't ever put on hand cream before you go to the TSA because it alerts that little paper, the, oh, I forgot the name of the paper. Uh It's like a chromatogram, chromatograph paper, and they wipe it on your hands and anything Yeah, that's bomb residue. Jelly based, they, they're they're yeah. doing
2: it for bomb residue. See if there's bomb residue right, on exactly. your hand. I found so out later because they of, did that to me as well. Mm-hmm.
1: Right. So petroleum jelly is often apparently a bomb base, a bomb making base. So I was like, oh, my God. Uh, And I used to Vaseline pretty frequently because where I live now, it's very dry. So I learned that early and then forgot when I went to Santa Fe that all of this handmade, like, you know, really organic, fair trade certified, all that stuff that I had gotten there was going to activate the chromatogram. And so I was really ticked off. Um, But yeah, it still happens. It's always happened when my infants were in baby carriers sleeping on my chest. And so TSA did, you know, eventually evolve and they wouldn't make you um, take your child off if you were a baby wearer. Um, And that's what I did. Um, And I often took newborns uh, with me on a plane, you know, this is pre COVID guys. So they wouldn't make me take the baby off, but I always had the passport for the baby, or at least like a birth certificate to say, this is A, my child. So shouldn't you be checking all children's IDs to make sure they're not being kidnapped? And then um, B, uh, the passport. And I'm very, very open about waving the blue passport, making it as visible as possible so that if anybody tries to other me, I can be like, look, you know, little expletive. Um, uh, It it says born in Chicago. So... um, the TSA agents where I am are the friendliest that I've ever encountered, and I've encountered them all over the world. And I remember uh, landing in JFK one time with my family. We came from an overseas vacation. And so we were still dressed like we had been to Saudi Arabia. We hadn't had a chance to change out of our clothes. And I remember a TSA agent. I was like, why do you people even come here? And so that has what? always been. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And it's like, are you I serious? Didn't have my blue passport. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Oh, my I was gosh. 19. Um, and I, I, I was dressed a different way. I wasn't dressed quote unquote America and the kicker, the real nail in the coffin here was she was a black woman. And I'm like, you are trying to other me and trying to make me feel inferior shing on you, you know? And it was, if I hadn't been jet lagged and if I had had the cojones I have now, you know, 20 something years later, I would have known to respond better. And at the time, it was just humiliating. It was degrading. It was saddening. But it was instances like that that made me realize I gotta make that blue passport really visible. Every time I go to the airport, everybody in that TSA line, everybody until I get until the gate agent tells me you can put that away now, ma'am, then I'll put it away. Um, but I have known always to carry it and to carry it for my minor children, for my nonverbal children. Like it is important because. Um, People will always other us, you know, and it just kind of reinforced some of the messages that I got growing up that because you will never be accepted, just go ahead and stand out. So,
2: wow, I don't um, know if that answers um, your question. No, I it like did. No, it, no, it, <laughs> no it's, it's great. You gave some good stuff there. Uh, not, not just good stuff, just some heart wrenching stuff. Um, I mean, again, I what I went through does not and it's not a comparison game right I'm not I'm not no, trying. It's not. I'm not trying to by Everybody's any means dismiss important. what what yeah. what you did or like oh well I've been through that too no I've never had a strip been strip searched by TSA they did pull me out of line they put the residue on my hands when I had the you know fanny pack on um mm-hmm. but yeah, no and honestly if you which you're not but if you were my wife in that situation uh I, I probably had gotten thrown out of the airport Cause ain't nobody touching my wife that way. Ain't nobody. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Ain't ain't nobody but me. So she's amazing. Uh, my wife gets a mention there. So we try to keep track of those. So (laughs) one day I'll pay out, uh, dollar I (laughs) mentioned by the way. So I owe her a lot of money. Um, but I see that, you know, as, as I'm thinking back over what you guys just shared, what have you guys searched for? Maybe it's, maybe it's the same thing or, or maybe it's a separate thing, but, but what has been your greatest search? on this journey that you're on now
1: on the podcast
2: yeah on the podcast or just in life in general or or you know thinking growing up like like what did you search for
3: hmm that's a really that's a really deep question really deep question because we can go in a whole different ways but I mean I can just tell you
2: well I mean if we can know, make cause... it succinct somehow I don't know I, I again we, so, we try so to we, make it like open-ended for, yeah, for a reason, no, I definitely so.
3: appreciate that. No, no, for me, you know, w- just to put it back to the podcast and mommy while Muslim, I, part of the reason for me and I think for Uzma, like, I'm not going to speak for her. I'm going to let her, trust me, she could speak for herself, this lady over here. But, <laughs> I kind of get
2: that vibe um, from her, just a yeah, yeah, little bit of interaction herself, we've had okay. and the watching I've done. <laughs> she's, she's not afraid. <laughs> she's not afraid. She's not
3: afraid. But, but, you know... You know, you were talking about George Floyd a little bit earlier, and yeah. I, I've mentioned this in a couple of other podcasts. Like, there was a sign that really resonated for me. It was a woman. It was an, a a white woman holding a sign that essentially said. When he called out for his mom, he called essentially called all of us moms um, to action, right? When you're coming from that base level of love, and it's the purest sense of love. I know you said you're not a parent, you're not a mom, so you can't understand this, but um, I guarantee you, your mom felt this for you. But it's from this this pure sense of love that I feel, regardless of r- what religious um affiliation what race you are i mean literally even what species right you see this even in the animal world that this this base human uh connection to to children that you um g- you are blessed to become the parent of that that really connects people in ways that you would never really see regardless of religion right so that was kind of like for the love of your children and to it, it kind of connects everybody on a different level. And for me as a mother, it's what can I do in this, me being so insignificant in the broader scheme of life, can I do to make the world a little bit better for my children to inherit? And if that means I'm having you know, conversations with you that may or may not be uncomfortable or, you know, talking about frank issues that even within our own communities, we do not talk about, you know, I'm just being blunt about that. That's it goes in pushing the boundaries of learning so that when my kids inherit the world, it's just a little bit better for them. That for me is my journey at this stage in my life.
2: Yeah, I think that was well said, by the way.
3: Yeah. Well said. No, I mean it. That's a hard follow But but, yeah, I was
2: like, good luck with that. Good luck with that. What do you Um, what do you think of that?
1: You know, like what are we looking for? I think that is like the question for all of humanity, right? Um, as a Muslim I feel blessed because I know the purpose of my existence. I know God created me only to worship him. That is In our scripture, that is an instruction by God. You are only sent here to worship me. So that makes it really easy. But then what does that look like? Um, And so growing up in America as a Muslim, as a second generation American, you know, the struggle for identity was so paramount. And I would argue that it's still something that is so hard and it kind of impedes worship because, you know, who am I and what what is my body? What does it mean to me, and what does it mean to other people, and then um, how do I use it to worship in a way that I'm fulfilling this commandment by God, and I'm, you know, fulfilling everything that's expected outside of it by man, by mankind, uh, or womankind. Um, and once I became a mom, that's when I started gaining the confidence, like oh my God, like you made me capable of caring and pushing out life. Like I am way closer to you than men are. Um, I am like such a useful vessel for you. And that's when I found out how I was going to worship and it was going to be through my children. Like Zepa said, you know, we have that This is the universal language of humanity. Everybody understands mothers. Um, everybody can empathize with mothers. I mean, you would think there are some exceptions. Um, but, you know, how do I minimize some of that identity crisis that I went through when I was growing up for my children and how do I hone in on their Muslim, I- Muslim American identities and give them the wings then to worship in the way that is most meaningful to them and to fulfill this commandment by God to worship him,
2: if that makes sense. No, that, that does. And that was, by the way, that was beautiful. You had a tough follow, and I, I think you rose to the occasion. I love that line. <laughs> you know, if if I can have life come out of me, I almost feel like a lion roar needed to like be in the background. I would have done it. You know, just <laughs> I, do it. I, I just I almost had I known I would have had the lion sound cued up, but um, but I didn't. That's a fail on my part. <laughs> but yeah, next time, next time perhaps. But, <laughs> but ladies, you you, you guys are fascinating to me, and people in general fascinate me. But but I but you especially, you guys fascinate me from a from of so many different facets of life. But going back to nine eleven, I was just married. I was 21 years old and I remember my wife was working actually with my mom at a daycare center and she called me um on my cell phone and she said you got to turn on the news something happened in New York and um you know next month we're we're going to we're going to think about 911 you know September will be here and there are dates that stand out in our mind, in our in our country, and, and even in our own personal lives, right? I'm sure you guys have several dates. Maybe it's your wedding date. Maybe it's the day, the birth of your children, the birth of the show, you know, maybe a great guest that came on that you're like, man, I'm always going to remember that one day we met this crazy guy from Oregon that, <laughs> you know, is obsessed with shoes and loves the University of North Carolina. And obviously his wife too, because he pays her every time he talks about her, you know, <laughs> um, you kooky know, things like that, right? But but take us back to 9-11 in your own mind. Where, where were you, what you were, what were you, what you were doing? And, and then how has that impacted your life going forward?
3: Hmm. We all so remember it, where we were. Yeah. yeah. Um, it, and for me, um, actually the funny thing about this story and I, and I'd love to share this because I still have the card, um, from this is my husband and I we were very newly married at that time as well. We were just celebrating like two years. Um, we went on our first cruise um, and we went on an Alaskan cruise. And we were coming back from, um, I think it's, we had to come in through Canada. Um, and it was our flight was delayed. And I remember this is not a joke. There's specific Alaskan knives that people actually they're like fishing knives, like small, thinly blade bladed knives that people actually bring from Alaska. So in the airport in Canada, um, there were signs everywhere that says, please take um, the knives out of your checked in bag and put it in your carry on bag. And I even remember at that time being like, that's crazy weird. Um, So it's so funny how the next day, like life, as you know, it totally changed. And we missed our flight for whatever reason. And my husband was supposed to be in New York the next day. And because he missed his flight, his secretary put him on a later flight to New York the very next day, which was God's will, right? Because he would have been in the financial district because that's what he does, Um, And I was at work coming back um, and we're in Chicago and the downtown Chicago, right. My worked right by um, the Sears Towers and it was pure pandemonium chaos. Um, Obviously, we didn't have the smartphones like we have now, right, where you get Apple alerts or CNN alerts. I mean, we're pulling out a TV from the closet trying to figure out what was going on. And I'm sure you guys all remember that we did not you couldn't get phone signals, so nobody actually knew who, what, where was safe. And there was a small possibility, um, you know, that they were going to target Chicago. And, you know, what, what people need to understand that as American Muslims, we were grieving
2: as 12. wife,
3: twice, right? <laughs> twice so over. we were yeah. grieving because we felt it as an attack to ourselves, Because, you know, for lack of a better phrase, somebody hijacked our religion and then used it against ourselves, if that makes sense. So we got, we felt it from the American perspective as in we're watching these towers go down and feeling all the feelings. I mean, I can still feel how I felt that day. And then we later find out that it's a bunch of crazy woohoo people. I mean, and we're just like, what and now we're having to speak on behalf of 1.8 billion people right because we happen to be muslim i,
2: I love that so, phrase if i can jump in for a second i love that phrase no, that please. you said they hijacked our religion
3: they really did They,
2: and, and i love that for a lot of different reasons but I'm, I'm just, gonna, I'm, I'm not going to elaborate on that too much, but I love that. I love what you're saying there. I really do. I just want to affirm that because I think too many times, again, we take the actions of a few mm-hmm. and we lump it into the others or to everyone, you know, it's an all encompassing statement, you know, right, right now, of course, as we know, you know, uh, police officers are, are doing brutal things to you know, not only to Americans, but to black Americans, to right to Americans in general, right? Racially profile. We've talked about that as as your guys' airport stories, right? Easy, easy to do, I'm sure, racially profiled that. You know, we've had a former Marine on that that was one of his jobs in in Iraq was to identify terrorist threats that were coming through Fallujah, yeah. right? We mm-hmm. we we've had that experience. But he said something. This Marine, former Marine said something. He goes, I realized over there that They're people. Yes. And that was... Sorry. Mm -hmm. I don't often get moved like this on my show, but... You ladies today, I don't look at you with hatred.
3: I appreciate that. I don't look at
2: you with contempt in my heart. I don't look at you and pin those actions of those hijackers to you. That's like me talking to a black person, him being angry at me for what my ancestors did. I wasn't there. I didn't do it. I didn't oppress you as a black person. I didn't put you in slavery. How can you judge me and how can you have condemnation towards me when I didn't do any of that? That would be like me saying that I now can't associate with you in any way, either one of you, which are brilliant ladies, wonderful ladies, because of what the few did on that dreadful, awful, horrific day. Sorry.
1: Right. That makes me feel really good because I think I've carried with me this belief that people outside of Islam still blame me for what happened right. for nine eleven. So thank you for for crumbling that that belief today. I really I, appreciate it. I that.
2: can't. I can't. Who's my I can't. I can't I can't stand in judgment over you. And I mean this like in sincerity. Obviously you see that I'm moved to compassion because to me, I think we do that too often. Mm-hmm. We yeah. do that too often. We try to lump everyone together. and It's like, no, wait a second. You want to, you want to be mad at somebody. Fine. Obviously I can be mad at nine eleven. I can be mad that so many Americans lost their lives, not Muslims, not Jewish, not black people, not white people. Americans lost their lives that day. That's what we need to focus on.
3: Yeah. And we are and maybe American, to honor right? the and that's millions the truth of, of lives. It. Oh, go ahead. No. And I'm going to say like in the, at the end of the day, we're American too. Right. Right. Yeah. And absolutely. I think that's important for us
1: because, you know, I don't, I don't think my American identity was as important to me until nine 11 happened. Yes. That was one of, I think the advantages of nine 11 to us because we could, <clears throat> I think we had to, in defense and response to what was happening to the Muslim community in America and across the world after 9-11, that it was a defense mechanism to say, no, but I'm American, too. This happened to me, too. But then, you know, when we talk about how traumatic it was for all of us that day, every time 9-11 is commemorated, we're not just honoring the deaths of the people that died um, in the attack, What's happening is the death of freedom of religion in this country, as we feel it, as we sense it, as a, uh, as American Muslims, because, you know, the Islamophobia or fear of Islam started after that, regardless of what George Bush said. Um, to the contrary, we have somebody in the White House right now who's saying Islam hates us. So. Everything that we've worked for since then, everything that we've tried to do since then, is completely thrown out the window. And so Islamophobia is, you know, the flames of it continue to be fanned by people who are pointing back to 9-11 again and not honoring the lives, um, but blaming us continually. Um, and so that's why You know, people like me have the sense that, okay, they still hate us for it and we had nothing to do with it. We're not responsible for it. And you're, I think, the majority of the people, you're representative of the majority of the people who know, who can differentiate between the actions of a few um, and, you know, not representing um, Islam. But as Muslims in America, we always feel like, you know, anytime there's any kind of terrorist attack, like we have this collective held breath. Please, God, don't let it be a Muslim. You know, And this was unfortunately not one of those instances. So on that, it was a Tuesday, I believe, um, I was asleep in the car because that is the best way to get me to fall asleep is to take <laughs> me on a ride somewhere. Um, and I was, it was our regular commute. We were carpooling to school. I had to get dropped off at the medical center to work first because I went to work. Then I went to my college classes. Then I came back to work in the afternoon. And so um, I woke up because I heard, oh, there's been a plane that hit a building. And I I remember jolting away. I was like, what? Is that real? And they were like, yeah, it's real. So then I went to my department at um, the College of Medicine, and everybody was in this tiny little closet with a little TV, you know, the ones with the antennas and the dials. Mm
3: -hmm. So it was like (laughs) you had to like
1: bang it on the side to get the clear picture. Um, And I watched the towers fall from there. And, you know, I think we already knew who had done the attack or who had taken credit for the attack. And my boss turned to me and was like, I'm going to drive you home right now because it's not safe for you. There's already been another bomb threat at the hospital across the street. You're not safe. I was going to take a bus to campus and she was so afraid that somebody was going to hurt me. And that that is collectively how we've lived since 9-11 happened in fear of being attacked because of the way that we look, or because of what we believe. Um, And we always, the hairs on our neck are always up. Every time 9-11 comes up, I can't look at my phone because I don't know if it's a joke or something, but every time I look at my phone and it says 9-11, the pit of my stomach drops. So that's a day. I will forget my children's birthdays, but I will not forget 9-11 because it, across the board, changed my life. My kids have never been able to know the childhood in America that I grew up knowing because of that date and because of what happened on that date. And I think there's a small contingency of people who will never let them forget and never let me forget. And that is the contingency, unfortunately, that makes the news because they're the ones that, you know, kind of are always very adamant about forcing the differences on the table rather than what we're trying to do is communicate how we're more alike in our you know, belief in humanity and belief in God as a means to bring us together and that anything that's driving us apart is coming from Satan.
2: Yeah. I, I feel bad. And, and, and even saying I feel bad doesn't even feel like enough because again, yeah, I don't I, think there's an emotion I, for there, it, there, no. there isn't, there really isn't. And first off you ladies are, again, I, I appreciate your, your honesty I appreciate you guys not holding back. Uh, you know, I know we we laughed and we joked. You know, pre show. You know, like hey, we're you know, what you get is what you get kind of thing. But but I didn't know we were going to go down this road. And and I'm grateful that we got to. I don't know how much time you have, but I but I really want to get to two more questions if we can. If you guys have mm-hmm. some extra time, I, I hope I do. Okay, um, and if you don't, I understand. But but I really want to get to these two questions. One, I want to dispel something that maybe is in my heart. And yeah. I know we talked about this pre-show, so they know this is coming. I, I just want full disclosure on that because I didn't want to offend, and this could be a very inflammatory question. I think it could have been, but I have heard it said that because I'm an infidel, which is which is in my mind what the Quran has told me, or people who have. Which I don't know who these people are. They're probably you know people that don't know the Quran, and I know you guys aren't Quran experts. You know you've studied it, you but you but you're not you're not. Quran scholars, I guess is a good way to say it. Mm-hmm. Um, you're just two ladies that that, that know the faith and, and you don't know everything. Just like we talked about, I don't know everything about the Bible. So we, we laughed about that and it was kind of a, a good laugh. But I have heard it said <laughs> that because I'm an infidel and if I don't repent, the Quran teaches, I, I, can be, I can be killed. I can be destroyed. And I think even going back to Osama bin Laden, which I don't like to give that guy as much praise and credit is we should he shouldn't get any praise in my mind because he he may have acted outside of the Quran from what I hear from other people as well I don't know that and so help me understand help me understand the Quran better and just the Islamic faith in comparison to if I never choose to go that path if that made sense I don't know
1: if you never choose to go which path
2: so if I if I if I choose not to go the path of Islam if I never adopt oh see the, yeah the religion of Islam if I never subscribe seems like the wrong word. Um, if I never deny, yeah. If I never become (laughs) an Islam, what, what happens to me? I guess is a good question.
1: So I can start with that. Um, so Islam now I'm a certified speaker for an Islamic speakers bureau. So I go out and I often, you know, do the Islam one-on-one talk. And so in that one-on-one talk, we do some etymology, which is the study of words. And so um, the Semitic languages, Arabic, Aramaic, and Hebrew, um, have three-letter root words, and then you derive all of language from those those three-letter roots. So Islam, the three-letter root word is Salama, peace. And so people will never know that, because that's not the image that the media and people in power are going to produce, because otherwise, how do we fund You know, all of these companies that make money from war and death. Um, So Islam means peace. That is the religion. And Muslims are the followers of Islam. And Salama, again, is a Muslim, a person who's seeking peace through following God's guidance. It's also called through submitting to God's will. And so these two words are, you know, I understand when you're reading those verses. um, And this has happened to me, actually, in a lecture where an evangelical pastor had his notes out that he had printed from an Islamophobic website and recognized <laughs> it immediately. And they quoted this verse in the Quran. And yes, it exists in chapter nine. Um, kill the disbelievers wherever you find them. Now, much like uh, the Torah is studied with the Talmud so that the verses are given in context of what was happening at the time. Exactly. Um, that is how the Quran must be read. It's read with the Tafsir. So people like you and I who are not scholars cannot just pick up a verse and start reading it and think that we know exactly what's going on. There's very few verses in the Quran where you don't need textual, um, contextual evidence to read with it. With this particular verse, what had happened is that in the city of Medina, where Muhammad and his followers had been invited, Um, Come live here. Let's create a constitution where Christians, Muslims and Jews can live together. Because guess what? The Christians and Jews have been killing each other for generations and we can't get along. So the year zero on the Islamic calendar, like Jews, Muslims follow a lunar calendar. The year zero is not the birth or death of a man. It has nothing to do with Muhammad. It has to do with the birth of an interfaith community. And Mm -hmm. that interfaith community was established with this contract where all three religions said, no matter what happens outside of the city, we are one body and we will fight any forces that are trying to come in and attack us. We are one brotherhood. And so what ended up happening is one of the Jewish tribes, actually two of them, broke that treaty and they Mm -hmm. colluded with forces outside of the city against Muhammad and his followers because they weren't liking that, you know, islam was gaining a lot of conversions they were people were liking them people weren't infighting anymore and so um, because of the defection and the treason committed by these two tribes this verse came out Um, and there's also a subsequent verse like wait until the holy months are over because there's specific holy months where you're not allowed to go to war at all and sharia law which is the quran the infallible word of God, Muslims believe, and then the Sunnah, which is the things Muhammad said and did, those comprise Sharia law. There are rules of war in Sharia law. You cannot destroy orchards or you know means of subsistence for people you can't kill monks and priests um, rabbis you're not allowed to kill the religious holy people or destroy the holy houses war can only be defensive it can never be offensive so this particular one kill them wherever you find them is when somebody's attacking you yeah you, go you can kill, kill them. them it was the first time muslims had been given permission by god to fight in response to the oppression, tyranny, and treason that was happening against them. So it was really important historically, but you'll never know that if you pull this particular verse out. So, no, um, there are verses in the Quran that say the Christians, Sabians, and Jews, anybody who believes in one God who is a strict monotheist is going to taste heaven. So, there's no such thing as promised salvation to anybody, not even a Muslim. Yes. But there's certainly not a belief. In Sharia law or written in Sharia law that if you are not a Muslim, that you will die. It'll be a lot harder to go to heaven because, you know, obviously Muslims believe that, you know, the true path to heaven is Islam. But, you know, in other scripture that the evangelical, uh, sorry, that the Islamophobic websites will not mention is that Christian Sabians and those who believe in one God will also go to heaven. I don't know. No,
2: I I think it did. Thank you. So, if I'm hearing you right, context within context is that is that pretty close to accurate? Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, and uh, I, I think it goes back to ask the questions. Like, why would why would a quarter of the world's population believe that this is okay? Like keep asking the questions. What does it really mean? Well, you know? right. and, and that's that, why I appreciate you but, asking. Yes. Yeah. Go
2: ahead. Yeah.
3: And I appreciate you asking that. But I but I would like to interject one thing. No, please. That
2: yeah. I love, to, I love that's know, why I love both having you both on. Because yeah. we get two different you know, perspectives.
3: You get two different perspectives because, you know, Osma ha- definitely has more of the the um uh Quranic uh knowledge. And obviously I have, you know, my Sunday school basic knowledge and whatever I read, and and she's a hundred um hundred percent. Correct in saying that, like, you know, if you take, if, you know, I've read the Bible, I read the Torah, you can take any one or two statements and pull it out of context, you know, and use that to kind of build. You know, build a case, case against somebody. Mm-hmm. And 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 what we're trying to do right now is to build a bridge, not build a cra- case. Right. So okay. I'm not going to talk about that. But what I am going to talk about is in Islam, you know, one of the main co- contendants is there's no compulsion in religion either. Right. To submit to, to be a Muslim is to pretty much just submit yourself to God, um, which you know, in most religions, that's what you're doing if you're doing it right. You know, you're submitting yourself to God. And and I always use the um, vernacular with my children, or the, I guess the example. I'm like, listen, there are mo- multiple ways to get to the top of the mountain, and the different religions are your path to get to the top of that mountain. And you know, for misguided Muslims specifically, to to Ozma's point, you're taking contents in being able to use it as justifiable, you know, actions for, in my opinion, a lot of political, political gains, like even Al-Qaeda. These are all political organizations that happen to use religion as a way to get people to back them up. Right. So, like even when you talk about jihad because I'm pretty sure that's another question that you probably I was did, actually thinking about, about that. About, yeah. I, was, I didn't know if that you was know.
2: off topic. So
3: No, it's no, not off no. Okay. No, Not at all. That jihad was actually going to be tricky. my next question
2: is is that's how do we funny. reconcile the word jihad because I've heard jihad that as well. Jihad
3: means internal struggle. It's not an act of violence. Like, you know, like right now I'm having an internal jihad of whether or not I'm homeschooling my kids in the fall. Okay. It's like, so I'm having an uh, internal jihad as well,
2: because I don't want to do that either. Exactly.
3: (laughs) It's like, what am I going to do? So it's an internal struggle. And, 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 and it's actually like, I feel badly for the people that have that name because it's a beautiful name and a beautiful meaning, but it's been
2: what does it, hijacked, it mean again, Hijacked. What, what it, does it mean to
3: internal struggle. struggle.
2: Okay. Internal struggle. Okay. I just didn't know if and, we and missed it, the meaning of the name. That's what I was wondering. No, okay. that,
3: that is the meaning of the name. It's a literally internal struggle. Like a lot of Muslim names tend to come from meaning, right? Like I look at my kid and I'm like, okay, based on how he looks, this is the meaning I want to put on to you, you know? And, and that's why names really, um, have such an important, um, meaning for our families. Right. But like jihad also is internal struggle, but now people are using it for terms like I'm going to have a jihad against you. You know, there's lots of people that can use different types of things, you know, that are against what the, 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 the religion is supposed to be about, which for me and my family, and I know for usman and her family is um, peace and spreading peace and spreading goodwill, because that is, you know, the actions of the prophet at the time. So someone, like, may peace be upon him. And that is what we are going to do today.
2: I like that. We worked yeah. that into And just too, on that, I think yeah, the more ahead.
3: generic, def- Oh, go ahead.
2: Go ahead. You can. Hello? Yeah. Sorry. Oh, okay, go sorry. ahead. <laughs>
1: yeah. My bad. Um, I think, um, if you look at up jihad, uh, means struggle. And struggle comes in all forms. It can be external, and it can, you know, mean war. But the more generally accepted term within Islam is your spiritual struggle against Mm -hmm. sin. Because again, Muslims are not guaranteed heaven just because they were either born or became at some point Muslim. They have to constantly work at it. And that is why, you know, kind of like our Catholic brothers and sisters, we always live with guilt because we're like, oh, I have to constantly clean myself. I have to constantly check my intentions. I have to constantly check my actions. Um, That is jihad. Um, And so I, I just wanted to add that to what uh Zebo was saying, but we have this very Orientalist um, interpretation of it. We have a very Islamophobic interpretation of it, which, you know, makes the news because it's sensational. It's scary. That um, is is what has become the pervasive American use of the word jihad. Whereas in the world, in the Islamic world, that's not what it means at all. And in fact, people often did name their children that. I, in another life, was a teacher, and I had a beautiful young man who was named jihad, um, who also was named after 9-11, because his parents were like, we don't care. Like, our jihad has become even stronger because of 9-11. So we're going to, we named him that, because I was like, guys, what are you doing? Why did you name him this? Our struggle is even more important now after 9-11 has happened. So that's why he has this name. So I pray that his life has been as easy as possible as a result because I lost touch since.
2: Yeah, I was thinking even back to news reports over 9-11. And of course, Hezbollah comes comes to mind. Um, I heard a report and again, it's news. So is it real? Mm-hmm. Is it, you know, is it fake I know our president tends to say fake news quite a bit on, on things, so <laughs> I don't know if this is fake news or not, and I don't want to go too political because we could go all day probably on that. But I did hear uh, that Hezbollah came out and denounced Osama bin Laden for his attack on 9-11 because mm-hmm. of this this idea or perhaps misquoted or you know taken out of context statement of he never gave us as the United States a chance to repent to Islam. They were mad at him yeah. and they they basically disassociated or we would say disfellowship in, in maybe some religious circles disassociated or, uh, you know, disfellowshipped from uh, Osama bin Laden because he did not give us the infidelity chance to, to repent. So which I don't know. I mean. Like I said, I don't even remember where I heard that, but I did hear that. So that's why I was, I was curious about that. So, Well, anyway. one
1: of the rules of war, besides being defensive only, is also you must let the enemy know. You can't make a surprise attack on anybody.
2: So maybe that was part of it, perhaps? Yeah, that uh, may okay. have been. Okay. And so that
1: that's really huge, right? That Hezbollah is saying, dude, you know, and categorically, his actions were rejected by the majority mm-hmm. of the Muslim world and all of the you know, people celebrating on the rooftops or whatever, you know, fake news is going to say, or I would say fake politicians are going to say, no, actually I guess they're real politicians if they're lying.
3: Um,
1: um, it was categorically rejected and, you know, like you said, disassociated or disavowed because that's not allowed. You cannot kill civilians. Um, and so, uh, you know, we don't have a concept in Sharia law of collateral damage. Like if you committed collateral damage, you just sinned. And that's huge, like to take a human life. Um, and so um, where was I going with this? That categorical <laughs> rejection is not again newsworthy because oh, how boring is that? Like the majority of the Muslim world just said, Yeah,
2: it's we're boring. really upset It doesn't that sell. Happened. It doesn't yeah, sell it's newspapers, so boring. it doesn't yeah. it doesn't bring in yeah. ratings. Yeah. For sure.
1: Yeah, and that's what we say about ourselves too. Ziba and I are so boring to the average consumer because <laughs> what's sensational about two moms trying to make the world a better place? For I their think kids. you're exciting. <laughs> I love the
2: shoe talk today. Like I love I said, that we're exciting. I, I, <laughs> think, I think we're we are, but, You know, I think you're fun. That's
1: what I tell people. I'm like, I'm you know, a mom of four, I was born and raised in this country. I have no accent. That may be the coolest thing that you know about me, but I'm a physician who, yes, I just drove myself over here to your lecture. So I hope there's bombs going off in your head, breaking down the stereotypes that you've built up in them. Um, And so that I think is what's sensational about the work that we're doing. But otherwise, you know, people being normal and being peaceful and standing by peace is not really newsworthy
2: yeah no I agree for sure so uh, last question then we're going to play a game together because games are fun ooh right? yes
3: can't wait
2: <laughs> you sound a little apprehensive there <laughs> I don't. I'm like
3: not I get, sure about the game, but I'm gonna
2: be ready. I get one like overjoy and another one like, oh, we have to play games. Don't worry, it's not oh like my, a trivia oh game or anything God. like that. That's the so, mom reaction okay. to yeah. kids
3: being like, we're gonna, 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 gonna play shoots
2: games. and ladders. Exactly. <laughs>
3: like that's why I gave you a sibling, so I don't have to play with you. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, see, said, I'm a I'm a
2: child of four, so we have okay, uh, so you uh, know. We, we have three <laughs> three older than me. I have uh, two older sisters. And then I have a brother and then when my wife and I, uh, you know, got married and we had our kiddo. Um, I don't know if we ever really talked about like how many we wanted. I don't know if you guys had that talks with your guys, but, um, (laughs) but I don't know if we ever had that conversation, but we, we, we lost a child uh, prior to my daughter. That's okay. And, um, And so then when we got our, our daughter that we have now, she, she turned 13. So we have a 13 year old. Oh, that's,
3: that's not a a fun age. Take a minute for that. Thank you. Thank you. you. No, thank you. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) And so
2: she's 13 now. And so anyway, when we, when she came along and, and, you know, we were just blessed that God gave us her and we're like, why are we, he's got so many other things to worry about. Let's not trouble him with another child. You know, oh. trying to bless us with one, so so oh. we we stuck with one, and her name is Adia, and we talk about meaning of names. It comes yeah. out of a, the Swahili language, and it means gift yeah. gift from God. So that is so very beautiful. So we chose that specifically uh, for Adia. the name meaning. So Adia, in case you're spelling at home, so isn't
1: there a song? Isn't there is like Sarah, Sarah McLaughlin. Yep, ninety eight. Oh, yeah, yep,
2: ninety eight. Yes. Yep. But I we didn't it. get it from that. So some people think oh, we got okay. it from that, but we did not get it from that. So. Was already in our our name book thing. So anyway, and it
1: would have been okay Aww. if you had gotten it from Sarah McLaughlin. Well,
3: McLaughlin cause she's cause yes, she's awesome.
2: she is awesome. Uh, <laughs> I would love to sit with her one day and ask her that very question.
3: nineties 90s, 90s girls. Well, really so cool. I'm forty. Sarah
2: I'm not. I'm awesome. not asking you ladies how old you are, but I'm forty. So I'm, I'm, I'm forty. Yes. I'm, I'm not right asking in the
3: middle of the two. Of okay. You. Fair <laughs> enough. You don't have to share that's, that's, We're that's, so proud. Okay, fair enough. We don't care. Okay. Life begins at forty. Okay. Amen, right? It does. I love that.
2: So last question, then we'll play our game. Um, why I mean you guys could do anything today. I mean, you, you could go make peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, you could, you know, you could do more research for your show and, and your platform and, and what you're doing why on earth would you want to come on and sit with me and, and talk about some really tough stuff? I'm, 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 I'm wondering that that's a selfish question, but, but I really am wondering.
3: Is that you first? Why not? <laughs> Love it.
2: <laughs> that's it. Okay. We got, why not? All right. And next.
3: <laughs> no. um,
1: well, so, you know, people were really critical of us when we started our podcast. It's like, yes, you know, why are you guys doing this? What qualifications do you have? What training do you have? What expertise do you have in anything? And we were like, well, why not? Yeah.
3: Nobody else is doing it. Exactly. So I'm being funny, but that's pretty much. (laughs) No, I knew you were being funny. I've gathered that already in (laughs) (laughs) a short time together. It's kind of our thing. Like, you know, everyone's always you know, and by God's grace, Ozma and I wear a gazillion hats. We're on the boards mm-hmm. of so many nonprofits. Like I do a lot of interfaith work here in the D.C. area. You know, my my son just started a charity called um, Hoops for Help, where he literally is um, helping frontline people by training little kids who can't, can't. So it's just something in by nature that this is what we feel as God's work for us. And, you know, when people ask us, why are you doing this thing? Why are you doing this? Cause trust me they do. Cause they think we're crazy. Mm-hmm. Our standard response is always why not? And mm-hmm. if this means that, you know, the next time you come across a Muslim person, you hesitate, I'm not going to change your mind. Like I'm not here to change our mind and, and contrary to popular beliefs. We're not trying to convert anybody. Okay. But what are we are trying to do is that if you hesitate to make blanket judgment when you meet another Muslim person or perhaps when you hear something on the news you're like, you know I met these two crazy Muslim moms and they didn't really feel sound like that. Maybe I'll do a little bit more research right So I'm a little bit more informed. That is why we're on shows like this and and to push us out of our comfort zone to extend the bridge of you know commonality that is what I feel is my personal mission. Um, on earth right now in what I feel Mami Muslim is giving us um, an avenue to do
1: yeah it's just you know if like she said we're not trying to convert anybody because honestly like missionary that whole missionary vision missionary work is not a part of Islam Islam was never um, meant to go out and yeah I mean conquer lands that's a completely different thing but conquering hearts is for God um, so that's not our job. Um, but if we can just have, like she said, one person leave and say, I feel a different way about Muslims than I did when I came here. And hopefully it's positive. Like we hope that we, you know, <laughs> I know. softened your hearts towards Muslims and weren't like, oh my gosh, what dribble is this? Um, then then we've done what we need to do. And like she said, we're both involved in interfaith work and communication, 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 questions are the only ways that we're going to build bridges and get to know our neighbors because that's what we all are here.
2: Yeah. I I love that a lot. Um, So do either of you speak any other languages like Arabic or, or um, what am I trying to think of uh, Aramaic? Any of you guys? No, I wish I
1: was cool enough to speak Aramaic. Okay. That would be so cool. But that do you know how cool. many times like, I'll ask kids like, in classrooms, like, hey, so who spoke Aramaic? And nobody has a clue. And I'm like, seriously, y'all? Seriously. <laughs> <laughs> but I have one Iraqi friend who okay. still speaks Aramaic in her household, which is really cool. Ziva, are you fluent in any other languages?
3: I can read and understand basic things of Arabic, which obviously all of us are trained to do because the beauty is um, the Quran is written in Arabic. So part of, you know, even for my own personal um, mom training with my kids, I would like them to be introspective learners, meaning when they learn the meaning of uh, our holy book is written in Arabic, I'd rather them question and read and try to understand it and its natural form. Um, so we all, you know, the rudimentary, um, I'm not fluent in Arabic. And I used to speak Urdu, which was my dad's tongue, because we um, lived overseas after we were born for a couple of years. But you know, I like to joke with people that even though I was born and raised in Chicago, I was an ESL student as a kindergartner <laughs> because I had just That's moved hilarious. from overseas. And so I didn't speak English and I had to learn English like really quickly so it it was just kind of funny like it's just like a a funny fact about myself i was esl in kindergarten um until i wasn't um but yeah no i I wish i knew more languages i know enough spanish to get by but you know just my high school college learning sadly it's english for me and not even that well
2: okay well i I had english oh go ahead I, i just had a small request i would love to hear in arabic maybe uh the phrase other people's shoes so that's all
1: Oh, yeah. no, we could say it in, in Urdu. Like I'm fluent in Urdu. If you know Urdu, you also are fluent in Hindi or colloquial Hindi. So that's three. And then I'm fluent in Spanish, um, which is funny because in the hospital, people will be like, oh, you know, um, there's this like... Arab lady will you come and translate for her and I'd be like I don't speak Arabic I speak at the level of a three-year-old uh three-year-old <laughs> um you don't want me to translate but then when somebody Spanish speaking is there they'll be like oh do you want us to get a translator I'm like no and they look at me like this makes no sense like again bombs <laughs> going off and there are neurons I can hear and I'm like no you know and they'll be like where'd you learn that like, in Texas <laughs> you know because <laughs> I-, I had to use it every single day after I started learning it in eighth grade, and I I went to Spanish five, and then continued to use it pretty much every day of my life since I was fourteen.
2: Well, you, I might need to call you then because the job I do, I, I need quite often a Spanish interpreter because my Spanish. I could
1: say, <laughs> yeah, <it's not laughs> zapato zapato del otro, you know, other people's shoes. <laughs> <Nice. laughs> yeah, exactly.
3: It's great, and we're yeah. not Spanish. We made it work, so that yes. is awesome. Yeah, I could, no, absolutely.
2: So uh so ladies, as we wrap up today, how uh how can people hear about what you're doing and then we'll play our game. So so how can people go about doing that?
1: So you can find us on IG at mommying while muslim podcast, all one word, and mommying is like mommy with an ing on it. Um we're also on Facebook, mommying while muslim uh is our Facebook page. Uh I believe we have a Twitter account now too.
2: You do. I followed I you on Twitter, yes.
3: Okay. I was like, yes. I don't know. Our, yep. our brand people do that. And and the cool thing about our Momming Well Muslim group. <laughs> and is, and uh, say,
2: Instagram, too. You're on Instagram. And Instagram, too. yes.
3: Yep. And, and our Momming Well Muslim group, specifically, a lot of non-Muslim people are actually members, including our admin, who is not a, Mus- who's not a Muslim or a mom. She just likes being in the group. So it's a great place to access information, ask the questions that you would want to know. Um, we're very interactive and very responsive in that group as well.
2: I love it. I love it a lot. Ladies, thank you again. Um, so before we go, we're going to play our game and then I want to give you a final thought. So here's our, here's our dice. So we're going to roll twice. Ooh. So who wants to go first?
3: Usman, go ahead. You got Okay,
2: this. I'll go. All right. So Usman, this what is, is for you. Do? So you got uh we you know we have five senses right? Being in the medical profession, I would hope that you know we have five senses. Yeah,
1: yeah. I remember that part.
2: Okay, I just was curious because I did have a guest one time when I said we had five senses, she she did question me on that. So she now lives in oh she now lives in in lore of the show. Uh, I won't give names, but we had to cut it out because she was like, "Wait, we have five Anyway, yes. so so you got a number two on this okay. uh, crazy senseless game that we did. So five senses and then six is a wild card. So we roll a die. And so here we go. So your question is this. Who is touching your life right now?
1: Oh. Right
2: now. That might be the hardest Zaba. question we've had today, I, I would imagine. Yes. I <laughs> it's, yeah, the,
1: it's Zeba because you know are you kidding me no that is sweet she's like like my anchor right now because this is like what we do every single week um we get together and even though like my ride or die crew is always there for me especially with coronavirus you know Mm -hmm. like we're all socially distanced I don't get to see them but this is one beautiful face I know I can count on being there every Monday morning when we record and yeah. even when I oversleep like I did today and I'm like you better wake up <laughs> she's going to find oh, me here and she's going to know exactly like when <laughs> I didn't sleep <You're> like, she <laughs> overslept. <laughs> <us. That's laughs> and I'm sleeping." Like,
3: yeah.
2: So You guys look glamorous my... today. If that makes you feel any better. You did look glamorous oh, today so when great. I watched. If you so. put lipstick
3: on, it totally hides all yeah. of stuff.
2: <laughs> but Avon lipstick from what I hear. Yes.
3: So yes. So
2: That tells you that I, I was listening. That tells you that Avon. I was listening. So that was that That's was so that funny. was for you guys to and totally I was listening. 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 So there you go. Yeah.
3: And somebody was yeah. wearing
2: MAC, which I was like, wow, that doesn't even compare yeah. cuz I used to work at Macy's, so I'm familiar with the MAC line.
3: I understand, girls. I'm I understand, a girl. Okay. Yeah. yeah. All right. So here we go. I never got into
2: it. <laughs> Next roll, right? Yeah. Oh, I get two. Okay. No, no, she gets the roll now. It's her it's turn. Zeba. Okay. It's it. I'm rolling. So it. I'm rolling we for Zeba now. So. Okay. I'm excited. Go. Ooh, oh, ooh, uh-oh. Uh, uh-oh. this is very nerve-wracking. Are you sure you want uh-oh. this? I'm Maybe nervous. we might need I'm to ready. re-roll. Number I'm ready for six, this. Number six, which is the ooh, wild, card. wild card. Wild card. Okay. Dinner. Or lunch or breakfast, so a meal, uh, one person, only one. Do not try to sneak other people to this table. Yes. Do not try to sneak. It. People have tried it. Well, can please? And I you no, know, I'm not. I'm drawing a line. No, one person, dead or <laughs> alive. Who is it going to be, and why?
3: So I, I I've actually had somebody ask me this before, and my answer is always going to be the same. So, the prophet, solo, so, not him. I would love to speak with his wife, Hafizah, oh, who is a, a woman one. at the time who owned her own business. A prophet what now? He, our our prophet, prophet Muhammad, Muhammad. Worked for his wife, oh, okay. Hafizah. Okay,
2: okay, okay, I'm following you now. She
3: is the first, like, so for me, I love that when she was older than him, so she was able to like, she was like a cougar back in the day, you know, like, so she managed to get this young um, you know, up-and-coming person, owned her own business, um, was a rock star that way at a, at a time where, you know, obviously it was very male-dominated. And, you know, part of was my um, mission is literally to, you know, up lift and support the female voices, um, that are surrounding us specifically, um, no offense to you, Neil, but you know, None taken. the men have kind of dominated the media in a long time. <laughs> so our, our hopes and missions is to kind of uplift um, females and i i just want to know like what was it like to be this you know supporting character in a historical movement really um cuz here we are you know 1.8 billion people later and how was that for her being you know this this major female role model um at the time so yeah that is somebody i would definitely um want to have dinner with but in fairness by god's grace i have all of my relatives Alive, right? So I don't have, you know, otherwise it would have been one of them, but by God's grace, I have everybody alive and accounted for. So she would definitely, I would love to hear what her um, viewpoint was and in her her view of history at the time through her eyes. Where do
2: you guys, where do you guys go to eat? Is it like a cool place in Chicago or... Or you Is that the harder Honestly, question maybe? Backyard.
3: Yeah, that's the harder question because I hate cooking. So anybody that's listened to the show knows like, I'm a short order cook for all my, my kids right now. Two vegetarians and one trying to become a muscle builder. I'm not sure what he's trying to do. And <laughs> to eat meat eater. So I'm constantly in the kitchen, including my son, texting me right now like... This is his lunch number two, wondering when I'm going to stop working so I can go feed him. So I hate cooking, but it would probably be in my backyard because I am super casual and I'd love to just like be relaxed and be able to have an open, honest conversation versus feeling like stressed out. And honestly, here in the DMV area, like I'm not about to go out in any kind of restaurants at this point in time because we are still quarantining. So it would have to be in my backyard.
2: Fair enough. Yeah, I like it. Uh, by the way, she would cook for you because I heard on the show today, too, that there was a, a an issue with spices, throwing them away or not throwing them away. <laughs> so um, I'm glad you brought that up. I'm glad you guys settled that today because I was really, I was really worried. I was really worried.
3: Those freaking spices. I was really God worried. Saying. I was worried. I was like, I don't
2: even know what you guys are talking about. I have no clue, but I was laughing at the the dynamic and the, the chemistry. Um, and, and clearly me Clearly, y'all had it, so I'm going y'all yeah, because a
3: hoarder. Ozma is a hoarder, and i always such like, a let, let go, get rid of let, it go. let it go, let it go, like that song. I, let, it go, song let it go, let exactly. it go, I need that more
2: in my life as well. So, uh, exactly. ladies, final thought. well, I'm going to give you guys final thought, and then I want to wrap up. But final thought, we've gone way over, but but I think this has been I'm very sorry. good. No, it's me. I I just wanted to cram a bunch of stuff in, and so anyway, uh, final thought goes to you guys. What do you want to say?
1: I want to say if anybody has any further questions um, about Islam or Muslims, um, find them and ask. And I know during um, social distancing, it may be a little bit harder to find them, but you know what? You have us. So you can always email us, um, mommy, muslim all one word, at gmail.com. Or you can go to our website and um, contact us there through our, there's a little submission form and you can ask your questions there there's really nothing i think neil was really kind and asked is there anything that we cannot talk about and we are open books guys we have nothing to hide um and i think that's going to be the same for any other muslim you come across and if we don't know the answer then we'll direct you to somebody who does but please like you know let's communicate and get to know each other
2: okay cool well, again, ladies, thanks so much for coming on. Uh, just ge- geographically, uh, DC and, and New Mexico. Did I hear that right? Oh,
1: I'm in Phoenix.
2: Oh, Phoenix, Arizona. Okay. The mm-hmm. reason why I ask is one day I'm going to have a map in the studio, and I want to pin prick uh, where everybody has been. Oh, and yeah. So nice. my goal is to get with everywhere. the show to get to get well one to get everywhere, but to get it at least the small goal was 50 states. So yeah. I, oh, I just want to want to see when we go back and listen to it and we put your pin prick in we get you know double double uh double uh double bonus i guess because double duty for one yeah Yeah. exactly we're not going to just put you in in phoenix (laughs) nobody wants to be in phoenix by the way so that's just (laughs) not right now (laughs) really hot like really hot. really
1: coronavirus yeah, yeah, nobody I'm wants to be there. Inside. And then of course okay. in in
2: Washington DC, I don't know if I want to be there cuz I I probably get in trouble cuz I'd be, you know, saying some stuff. So, you know, trying to get yeah. a trying to get a meeting with the guy on 1600 still. So, he hasn't returned yeah, my um, calls yet. I don't know.
3: I wonder He's
2: why. Probably He's busy. probably busy. He might be a little busy. I don't know. He's busy. <laughs> Though somebody told me he,
3: he, his plane Air Force One was at the wharf yesterday, and I'm like, why in the world would he take Air Force One over the bridge? So, they were washing it,
2: maybe. I don't know. But,
3: yeah, I was like, mm, <laughs> not so cool. But we're gonna we're gonna talk about that
2: later. Yeah, but thank you so we'll much. We'll talk much about Nails that later. Thank you, ladies. Show. Thank you guys so much. Yes, I absolutely. do appreciate it. So with that, this we will fine. we will end with that. So guys, I just want to call your attention to this. It's so often. That when we see somebody of a different religion, of a different ethnicity, if a different whatever, we're allowing our differences to stop us at the door. We're never knocking on that door to really see what's behind it. And guys, I hope today, even though we went longer than normal, I hope today we can actually kind of knock on that door, open the door, have that conversation, get into somebody else's shoes, somebody else's perspective, because to me, that is where the power lies. Guys, we say so often... Remember, when you walk in other people's shoes, you really do get a different perspective on life. I firmly believe that. That is truly what I'm trying to convey and convince you on. And if I haven't convinced you already in the last you know, five seasons or so, let me invite you. When we start next week, we're going to continue this journey. And we're going to look at some dates in people's lives that have changed their world forever. And I hope you hopefully you will join us back next week again as we try on other people's shoes. Thank you so much for joining us on Other People's Shoes today. As you know, I'm your host, Neil Matthews. want to thank you again for joining us this last season on The Search. We are so excited that we got a chance to sit with Zeba and Uzma and really hear more about Momming While Muslim, not only their podcast, but just what it's like to be a Muslim in America today. And guys, I think they gave us some great perspective. But if you want to hear more about these ladies, of course, check out their podcast, Momming While Muslim. But of course, if you want to hear an additional conversation with a good friend of ours, Sean McCoy over at Come to the Table podcast, he's been on with us. He sat down with them as well. And guys, that is an interview as well. Just a more expanded version, but also a different take on uh, what we sat with them. So if you're interested in that, we of course have linked that in our show notes as well. So we of course want to call your attention back to next Wednesday is season premiere day. We're super excited. We're going to be centering around this idea of what happened when. So there's a specific date maybe in your mind or maybe in the mind of other people that have happened that has changed maybe their life for the better or maybe something that caused a great deal of pain for them. So join us next Wednesday. That's of course, what happened when. That, of course, will take place on Wednesday at OPSpodcast.com. That, of course, is a great place to listen each and every week to past, present, and future episodes available to you brand new every Wednesday. So join us then. If you would also like to be a guest or perhaps give us any feedback on how we've been doing over these last five seasons, you, of course, can do so at 203-548-7463. That's 203-548-7463. That, of course, is our guest line and our feedback line. If you'd like to be a guest, of course, text voicemail that number and we will get information in your hands about how you can be a future guest on other people's shoes. Speaking of getting things in your hand, we of course would love to get hand in hand with you, connect with you, on the social media platforms that, of course, being Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We post daily on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You, of course, can search us under OPS Podcast Show. And, of course, is where you can find us on the three social media platforms that we're excited about being on. And with all that said, guys, we want to thank you again just one more time for giving us your attention over these last couple of months of walking through the search series that we've been on. Guys, we're excited about next season. But until then, remember, guys, when you walk in other people's shoes, you really do get a different perspective on life on behalf of executive producer Garrett and myself, Neil Matthews. Thank you so much for listening and stay tuned till next week when we walk in other people's shoes.